Hello, and welcome to the first podcast of Educationally Speaking. My name is Sarah Davis, and I'm a communications specialist with Oakland Schools and the host of this podcast. Thank you so much for listening in. The goal of Educationally Speaking is to focus on important topics related to education here in Oakland County, Michigan. We plan to discuss subjects that have local, regional, and statewide implications and directly impact our students, teachers, and parents. For this first podcast, we are tackling a very important topic, bullying. Here with us today, we have Dr. Julie McDaniel, who is Oakland School's Student Safety and Wellbeing Consultant. Julie spends her life's work educating leaders in the state and nationally with bullying prevention information, resources, and services. This past summer, Julie presented at the World Anti-Bullying Forum in Dublin, Ireland on bullying prevention through the lens of trauma. Dr. McDaniel, thank you so much for being here today. It's an honor. It's truly my pleasure. So because bullying is such a wide-ranging topic, we've decided to have this episode focus on Bullying 101. We will talk about the basic information we all need to know about bullying so we can help prevent it. Julie, can you tell us the three main characteristics of bullying? Yes, I'd be happy to. I think that that's probably the most important place to start, that a lot of times bullying is um, misunderstood and it's it's overused, the term. So bullying is three characteristics. The first is that it's repetitive or it's likely to be repeated. Um, if you see something and you say, wow, this looks like um, a one-time thing, it's probably not bullying. The second is that it is intentional and unwarranted, which means that it's always on purpose, it's never by accident, and it's never just joking. The third characteristic is the thing that separates bullying from all other acts of aggression, and that's that it's an, a power imbalance. What that means is that when people engage in bullying behavior, they believe themselves to be superior to those that they're targeting. So it could be body size, it could be intellectual ability, it could be skin color, ethnicity, race, social status, family income. It really is about the context. So in a particular environment, whatever is deemed as powerful, um, people who engage in bullying behavior have that and look at those who don't as being less than. Okay, so who is typically involved in bullying? Well, I think that that's a really good question as well because a lot of times we want to um, take a child who's been engaging in bullying behavior and reduce them to a label. And so I really urge people not to use the term bully or victim because um, what I try to do is it more of a restorative way that we look at these precious angels of ours that have engaged in behavior that's really poor. So there are different ways to be involved in bullying. There are those who bully, there are those who are bullied, there are those who both bully and are bullied. And I think even though that sounds confusing, it's important for us to note that our children are not born with the ability to bully, that they're actually taught that. And one thing that I share often is that hurt people hurt people. More importantly, what I want to do is I really want to focus on what people talk about the witnesses. I, I've heard a lot that it's the bystanders that can really stop bullying, but I think that it's important for us to note that just because someone is not actively engaged in bullying, it doesn't mean that they're not really active in the bullying behavior. So let me explain. So in witnesses, there are very different types of people that are involved. There are um, those who may not have been plotting and planning the bullying, but they are 
they are involved, that they hear about it and they actively participate. There are those who are more like cheerleaders. There are those who say that they're not involved, but they show up because they, they like to be a part of that. They may not be cheering someone on, but they might be recording it and then posting it on social media. There are those who are who don't want to get involved because they're afraid of retaliation. And then finally there are those, and it's a, unfortunately a small number, of people who really are potential defenders, but they are afraid to stand up because they're not in a place where they can be guaranteed that the adult is going to step in for them. And it's a really good um, opportunity for me to talk about bullying being um, first and foremost an adult problem, that we have to be the first line of defense for our kids. It's really interesting to hear all the different types of uh, individuals that are involved in bullying. You never really hear it broken out that way. So what is the impact of bullying? So let's break that down between the individual and a school-wide impact. So individually, students are impacted academically where we'll see uh, we'll see their grades start to to reduce we'll see lack of homework we'll see a difference in their study habits physically we see um, we may see unexplained bruises we may we may hear about unexplained pains stomach aches headaches socially we watch kids uh, become withdrawn they, are, um, they start having difficulty making and keeping friends. And then emotionally, we see everything from depression to anxiety. So as far as the school culture, this is where I think that our focus should be, that a lot of times we think that this is a problem between two individuals. And what we know is that bullying affects every single person around. And so an entire school culture can feel the impact of a bullying situation. What we know is that in schools that report high degrees of bullying behavior, they have lower standardized test scores. We know that student and student and teacher absences are are reflected by bullying situations. So that when there's high amounts of bullying reported, there are more teacher and student absences. We know that everything is always linked to the safe and supportive nature of a school culture. And so when that school culture is experiencing a great degree of bullying behavior, we know that that culture needs to be strengthened, that there is a sense of safety that's lacking there. It's very interesting because I think a lot of times you hear, you think of bullying as more of a one-on-one, -on -one, you know, two people sort of issue. So for it to impact the school culture in that way, it's really interesting how it's such an issue. So how prevalent would you say bullying is in schools? Well, this is a surprising statistic, even though we have a decade of, of strong evidence that bullying is very prevalent in our schools. The Youth Risk Behavior Survey, which is given every two years by the Center for Disease Control, has told us, our high school kids have told us, that 20% of them are being bullied on school property within months of this survey. This has happened now five times over 10 years where they've told us one in five. In Michigan, it's statistically significantly higher where we have one in four kids. 25% of our high school students in Michigan say that they're being bullied on school property. This is not the neighborhoods or the malls. This is right inside our, our schools, before, during, and after. So we also have crime, the crime and violence statistics from the National Institute of Justice. And what 
what they do is they break down bullying behavior by grade, ages 12 through 17. What we know through that is that bullying peaks in middle school. In fact, the latest statistics from 2018 show that 39% of our sixth graders are being bullied on school property, and then that number goes down. And so we know that bullying peaks in middle school. So it's not getting any better, and it's staying a constant, stable statistic, despite all of our efforts. Those are some pretty grim statistics. Why do you think the bullying issue isn't getting any better? Well, I hear this often, where people still think that bullying is a rite of passage. I hear parents say that it's a tough world out there, and they want their kids to have tougher, tougher skin, that they need to be able to survive out there. That is not an appropriate answer because bullying is not a natural way of going through life, that it is unnatural for people to treat one another that way. The other thing is that children never enter this earth with the capacity to bully. They actually see other people do that. And so when adults look at bullying behavior, when kids are coming to them and reporting that, and the adults are dismissing it, what it does is it, it causes kids to one, go underneath and not share anything. And the second thing, which is even worse, is to for them to grow up believing that this is the right way, um, right way to act. And so adults either don't want to see or they don't see. And then if they do see it, they don't want to respond in a helpful way. So what we, what we learned about 2013, the, most, the, the smartest bullying prevention people in the world came together, Teachers College, and they had this seminar called Beyond Bullying Summit. And instead of talking about the bullying prevention programs, what they did is they came together and they said, the best way to prevent bullying is two things. The first is that there has to be a strong and supportive school environment. The first most important thing is that there's a strong professional learning community, that teachers and administrators trust one another. Once they trust one another, then they trust the students. Then that leads to every student having a trusted adult in a school. There are so many good research-based ways to strengthen school culture, so that's one thing. The second is that only in those safe and supportive school cultures can we really help kids develop socially and emotionally. A lot of push right now for social-emotional curriculum, but that's never going to be effective unless we have a school that's supportive and strong where teachers and students both and administrators feel like they are in a place where, where they belong. Given all of that information, how does bullying even begin? So bullying behavior reflects the way that we develop. The first that we develop is, is physically, and so we'll see tripping and pushing and shoving. And then, then as verbal skills start growing, we also see verbal bullying, and we see females developing faster. By the time kids are, um, girls especially, are in fourth and fifth grade, we start seeing social bullying. We see boys, males in sixth grade. And so I think that that's why it peaks in middle school. Um, the other thing that's happening is it's not just a physical development, but they're growing socially. And so right about the age of 12, kids shift their need for approval from adults to one another. And so we see that dynamic play into the middle school bullying. It seems like a lot of the focus of bullying discussions, especially in the school setting, relates to cyberbullying and social media. Can you talk about where cyberbullying fits in? Sure. I think that it's really, we're very quick to say cyberbullying is a problem. One thing that I want to point out right away is that 
what they have looked at through the research is that cyberbullying actually begins in a face-to-face -face situation. So cyberbullying, the definition is the same as bullying, except that it takes place using electronic devices. Um, this is not just social media, this is also online gaming, chat rooms, anything that kids are doing online. Based on everything we've talked about so far, it seems like bullying is so common in schools. Is there re really anything out there to protect our kids? There's a lot out there. Um, first of all, it's good to know that there are laws in place in all 50 states. Michigan was the 47th state to enact an anti-bullying school policy. In our law, it says that it's not just that bullying is prohibited behavior, but it also requires every school district to have an anti-bullying policy that must be easily accessible on their website. There, so there's anti-bullying policies in all of our schools in Michigan. Um, in addition, cyberbullying last year, there was a law that was passed that makes cyberbullying a possible felony if it's a repeat offense. So there are strong laws in place. The problem with the laws, first of all, that they don't use the definition of bully that's accepted by by the Center for Disease Control and by the research community and even by StopBullying.gov, which is our federal site for anti-bullying. And without the laws containing the same language as the accepted definition of bullying, what we have then is this continued misunderstanding of what bullying behavior is. But that being said, there's a lot of great things that are happening in our schools, and I'm in the schools, and I see that there, there is deliberate effort all the time to make sure that our kids are safe. Are there any more additional resources available so the public can become more informed on this topic? Sure, there are lots of resources. One example is OK to Say, which is a Michigan initiative. You can call in or um, through, through their website and actually text any threat to a student, and that is maintained by the Michigan State Police. There's the Oakland Schools Bullying 101 page, which which provides a little bit more information than what we've been able to do here. There's StopBullying.gov, which is our federal anti-bullying site. It's maintained by the Department of Education, the Department of Health and Human Services, and the Department of Justice. And finally, there's the International Bullying Prevention Association website, which is filled with research and blogs, newsletters. Um, there's more information, and I'm always available. If people are interested in contacting me, I can steer them to places, too. Well, thank you, Dr. McDaniel. Your expertise on this important subject is invaluable. Thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure, and thanks to all of you for listening. This podcast was brought to you by Oakland Schools Intermediate School District's Communication Services. Oakland Schools is a regional service agency that offers support services to school personnel which are better delivered regionally and provide cost, size, and quality advantages to those we serve. You can find more information on Oakland Schools at oakland.k12.mi.us. I have been your host for this podcast, Sarah Davis, and you can find this and future episodes of Educationally Speaking on Anchor FM or Spotify. We hope you will join us for our next episode where we will continue to bring you topics that affect every student every day.